This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles. Let's turn to the Psalms tonight. We're going to be looking at a couple passages there, but let's start out in Psalm 47, the 47th Psalm. We'll be moving around to some other texts. It was of interest to me that Pastor Ned had us sing, I Shall Know Him, Fanny Crosby's great hymn. But in that second verse, she talked about some things that are very real for her and every Christian who is surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God where God controls their hearts. This is not just flowery talk. Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view his blessed face and the luster of his kindly beaming eye, how my full heart will praise him for the mercy, loving grace that prepares for me a mansion in the sky. Have you ever considered what it's going to be like to worship the Lord without any of the inhibitions that we have here? Sin will be gone. We will not care what people think. But I believe, and we're going to see this tonight, that God wants us to worship him now the very same way. We're going to try to be, as we always try to do, thoroughly biblical in what we're going to share tonight. But I am going to forewarn you ahead of time, at least initially, it may make you a little uncomfortable. We're going to talk about why that is the case. We all know the words of our Lord. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you look at a person's treasure, you see where their heart is. You can drive by somebody's house. There's one particular house that I have passed several times. It's a beautiful home. But when it comes to the toys, they've got the toys. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that, but it makes me wonder where their heart is. Now, I only share that by way of comparison because the same could be true about what excites us. Look at what excites a person and you'll see where his or her heart is. that true? What we really get excited about. How is it that many Christians get more excited about earthly sports, vacations, than they do about eternal spiritual things? I'm guilty. I know how to react when somebody breaks out of the pack and makes a touchdown. But what about when a sinner walks an aisle and comes to Jesus? Yeah, right? How does our general excitement during a service compare to our excitement after a service? Notice the excitement of the psalmist in Psalm 47 in that first verse. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. All right. 
Now, most commentators acknowledge that this is a victory song. But there isn't consensus about who the human author of this psalm was or when it was written. We just know it's a victory song. But although we don't know who the human author is, who is the divine author? It's the Holy Spirit of God. Was he just saying, clap your hands and shout unto God? Uh, You know, is that really what he meant? All right. Now, already some of you are fidgeting in the pew. I have to share with you folks, that's really what he meant. Well, I just need to feel that inside. That's not what he said. Now, the psalm claims that God is king of the earth who reigns over all the heathen. And you can look down at verses 7 and 8. The military victories of Israel... And their return from captivity prove what has always been true, and that's this, that God has never lost anything. You serve a God tonight who has never lost anything. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost any of his sheep. All that the Father giveth to me shall come unto me, and he that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. The fact our God reigns and his people are always on the victory side are reasons to clap our hands and shout with the voice of triumph. As I was preparing this message, it thrilled my heart that God has allowed me to serve in a church where we get excited about the things of God here. The choir and the orchestra will worship the Lord and it gets done and you can hear it. There's a response from the hearts of God's people. But honestly, when folks really get excited, do we get excited? One of the first services where we were visiting here, we'll never forget it, we were sitting right over here where Laura Tarkenton is, the Ashers were sitting there, and at the end of the row was Dr. James Earls. My son, Tory was sitting right next to him. And in that service, as he likes to say, his mule got out. And he raised that wooden cane, and he went, Hallelujah! I wish I could have taken a picture of Tory's face. We were brand new in this church. And I... Honestly, at the time, I didn't know Brother Jim that well. I just dismissed it as, well, he's getting up in years, and you know, we, we all kind of let this happen. Poor Tory, he, he, his eyes were this big. And then he looked over at Dad like, where have you brought us, Dad? <laughs> but I want to share with you tonight, that's what heaven's going to be like. In fact, as I studied the Old Testament, that's what the Old Testament was like. And we're going to see a reference to this in the New Testament as well. And so the fact that Psalm 47.1 is an admonition for all God's people makes us uncomfortable, especially in the area of praise to God, our worship. Many of us were raised to be suspicious and nervous about overt expressions in worship. Some of this is due simply to the fact we hardly ever saw it in our Bible-believing churches or what we saw rang hollow. It's not what we're used to. There are many reasons for that. 
Our history affects it. Uh, we, we either come out of a Catholic background or what we'd say is a Protestant background. But when you go back to Europe and you study even the pilgrims and what, where they came out of and the Puritans and, and so on, uh, those were reverent services and, and that was the tone. And by the, place, by the way, there is a place for reverence. There needs to be reverence before God. But a number of things have, ha have affected the way we worship. We need to realize that God said there are times when you come to him, you should clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. Now, please don't anybody leave. I'm simply quoting what God said in the Psalms. So tonight, let's talk about the exuberance protocol. Did you know that was in the Bible? I love what author Harold Vaughn says. He says, how sad that some Christians believe that true spirituality requires a zombie-like disposition. <laughs> Sterile church services may be comfortably predictable. It's what we're used to. But small wonder these churches have few converts. When members look painted... Is it any surprise that sinners reject the invitation to join in their misery? Those are powerful words. But he's right. Now, admittedly, the fleshly exuberance that passes for worship in many churches is cause for concern. And I'll say it, it should be avoided. The key is understanding the difference between Emotion and emotionalism. Now, God made us to be emotional creatures, right? Emotion can happen and not be from God. But we need to realize he made us as emotional creatures. But emotionalism is when Things happen outside of me, not come from inside me, but happen outside of me to try to get me ramped up to have feelings, and that's flesh-driven. Okay? Good emotions flow from the heart, and when the heart is controlled by the Holy Spirit, there are deep feelings of joy, gratitude, and even relief. I've seen people give salvation testimonies who are recently saved, and, and they'll say it feels like a 100-pound weight has been lifted off of me, and they just, they're just so excited, and, and there's joy because of that relief. These feelings may be accompanied by, they don't have to be, needs to be what the Holy Spirit does in us, but they may be accompanied by excited expression. On the other hand, emotionalism is stirred by external stimuli. These stirrings originate from outside of a person and die with the, the removal of the incitement. Emotional height, manipulation, an artificial atmosphere can generate emotionalism, whether it's at a political rally, a street protest, or a religious service. Works the same way, but that's flesh. It's not of the Spirit. Now, in biblical worship, when the Spirit of God is in control, 
when the heart is responding to truth and God's exaltation is the goal, there isn't a reason to check your emotions because he's in control. We talk about being led of the Spirit, but there are times where the Spirit prompts you and you just got to say amen and shout for joy. And that glorifies Him. And that can happen in private prayer. That can happen in corporate prayer. However, much that passes as worship today draws attention to people. And participants are responding to external stimulation a rock beat, repetitive music, light changes that create an atmosphere and encouragements to be expressive. Where a worship leader says, let's all raise our hands now. Well, that ought to be the prompting of the Lord. Okay, okay so now it's, this is what we all do now. It's trying to generate something that has to come from the heart. Has to come from God. And of course, ultimately, who gets the glory? The band? Or God? And by the way, I've been in places, don't throw things at me, I've been in places where you can tell that the Spirit of God was moving and when it was done, people clapped, but they weren't clapping for anybody but him. It's where the clapping has been spontaneous. But who got the glory? He got the glory. Now, as I share these concerns, let me quickly add that I believe in our worship that we should be engaged emotionally from right hearts. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, quoted from Isaiah 29, 13. This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Throughout Scripture, people have worshipped and prayed to the Lord, or as they prayed to the Lord, they knelt, fell on their faces. We see that in Revelation 11. The 24 elders in heaven. That is exciting worship. And then they all go to their faces. They shouted, lifted up holy hands. Here's a sampling of the biblical admonitions and examples. And I would just submit to you tonight that if you take all of these together, they form the complete picture of what our worship ought to be. It shouldn't be just external. It shouldn't be motion. There is a complete picture here as the Holy Spirit has given us his perfect word to help us understand this. But notice what the Lord is saying to us. Psalm 28, verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Psalm 134, 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Let me just pause. Is this scripture or isn't it? Okay, it's scripture. Lamentations 3.41, let us lift up our hearts with our hands unto God in the heavens. You know what that tells me? The heart has to precede the hands. Not, oh, oh, now it's time. 
Listen to what happened in the revival in Nehemiah's day. Nehemiah 8, verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifted up, uh, with lifted up hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Imagine what was happening in that revival. Now someone might be thinking, well, these are old Testament texts. We'll take a look at 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8. Paul says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up what? Without wrath and without doubting. So I'm glad we're having this discussion. This, we're looking at this truth tonight because if you're going to lift up holy hands, don't do it with doubting. Okay, with, without wrath and doubting. Now someone may protest and say, well, Paul was saying to Tim, what Paul was saying to Timothy is metaphorical. There's just a, well, there are lots of problems with that. But if that's the case, Paul's admonition to women in the next verse to dress modestly, that's metaphorical too. It's not metaphorical. Now here's the point. These verses are given for our admonition, but with the examples we must not overlook that these are people right with God, controlled by God, who are committed to exalting him alone. God even gives us examples of people worshiping in heaven where sin is absent altogether. This is what they're doing. So I want to close with a final truth about the exuberance protocol. David especially, but others as well, reminds us that exuberance in our worship and praising clearly includes what? Singing. So we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Let's enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Be thankful unto him, bless his name. Be careful not to smile. Others might be watching. I'm, I don't want to be silly, but I've been in services like that. Somebody said amen and everybody gets whiplashed. <laughs> Who did that? What? All right. Crying out, blessing the Lord with raised hands in the psalm passages above also involved singing. We need to remember our singing is not just about the Lord, our singing is also and always to the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 3, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. I, I reminded us of this recently. We're going to do it again tonight. They see it. When an unbeliever comes into our assembly here and they experience the new song that the Holy Spirit has produced in our hearts, when they look around, what do they see? Again, this is, I, I'm not suggesting that, well, this is something we have to do all the time. It, it's something that the Holy Spirit leads us to do. 
But I've, I've watched as we've worshipped and I've watched people take a psalm book and they're singing and they're engaged and the Holy Spirit is working and they're, they're like, yes, yes. Okay. Well, that's real. Now again, let's go back to the sports illustration. We think nothing of somebody crossing into an end zone and yes, did you see that? Woo! Oh, excuse me. Past the Fritos. No. <laughs> we don't do that. We lose ourselves because we're excited. And I'm suggesting that the biblical pattern is people were so enthroned with or enthralled with their God and controlled by the Spirit, they just got excited for the Lord. Now, what I'm saying, what we're preaching tonight, requires that people be spiritual. And that word means of the Spirit, concerned about the things of the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. And, and the emphasis is not what we do with our hands, okay? Just put that out of your mind for a minute. The emphasis needs to be, what is the Spirit of God doing in our hearts, and are we willing to just let go and rejoice about Him? So in closing, do you know what the etymology of enthusiasm is? I discovered this, and it, it amazed me. The etymology of enthusiasm carries the idea of being, here you go, possessed by a god. It comes out of the ancient world in a Greek word, the Greek word entheos, en, in, theos, God, in God. How many times do we use the expression, we are in Christ? What's that mean? We're possessed. Now, I've met Christians and I've wondered who they were really possessed by, all right? But we are possessed by the Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's no law against any of that. Hallelujah, we ought to get excited. But you're only going to get excited when he controls this vessel because it's a vessel of clay, of flesh. Those who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit are new creatures who should be rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Our worship from the heart will supernaturally be emotional and expressive. Now, I'm certain that we have been stimulated to think about our own worship tonight because we've been challenged to consider what we do in our worship, publicly and privately. I'm suggesting our worship should be dictated by the Spirit, not what we're used to. No doubt many of us have been in settings where people have raised their hands in worship and perhaps we've been tempted to be critical of what they're doing. Some of us, me included, have felt a prompting to raise my holy hands 
and have been concerned. What are people going to think? What's the preacher doing? So the exuberance protocol challenges us to worship the Lord as they did in the Old Testament and as saints are doing right now in heaven. Not because we do particular motions and, and, and well, this is what you do when you worship. It's, it's almost choreographed. That's not God. That's not of God. But when hearts are controlled by the Spirit and are lost in wonder, love, and grace, oh, we, just, we just love to worship. Which, by the way, when Christians don't care if they stay away, they are not spirit-controlled people. Because spirit-controlled people want to gather with the assembly and worship the Lord. But those who worship him must do so according to spirit and what? According to the spirit and according to truth. And so, let's practice the exuberance protocol. Now, that's one of the blessings of the closet, the prayer closet. You can shout and make all kinds of noise in there and who nobody knows but God. But when's the last time you were alone in your prayer closet and it got emotional? I've had those seasons. I had one recently. I don't say that to exalt myself in any way because I don't have enough of those seasons. I'll tell you what, when you get alone with God and he gets a hold of you, oh, wow, oh, wow. And then when we're together, I love the worship that happens here because I believe it is of God. When I travel and I, and I listen in or I go back to our services and I listen to the congregational singing, it sounds like we've got 600 people here. It thrills my heart. But folks, what matters is are we thrilling the heart of God? And are we real? And let's pray for our assembly that we'll so walk with God that his worship here is real and exciting and draws sinners to him if they're here. Let's stand together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these protocols. Help us to practice them. There's so much in your word about prayer. Lord, that each week we would take the truth that we hear, that we'd apply it, but God, would you help us to so walk with you, be so controlled by you that we are lost. We lose ourselves in your glory and want to give you more glory. Make it so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.